0: Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the March issue of the Beef Watch Newsletter titled Colostrum 101. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the author, Dr. Lindsay Walker Mead, who's a veterinarian and also an Extension Educator with the University of Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Aaron.
0: We've talked about colostrum before on the Beef Watch podcast, but it's one of those topics I think it's always good to come back to and review the fundamentals on. In this article, you highlight the components of what's in quality colostrum, why it's so important for the newborn calf, and then also what are some management practices that producers can think about to make sure that quality colostrum is delivered to the calf in a timely way?
1: You're absolutely right. So I started out the article by giving a very broad percentage of how many calves actually fail to receive colostrum, and that came off of the, the NOMS data, but it goes anywhere from 11% all the way up to 31%. And failure of passive transfer is, is the disease process or the condition when a calf does not get colostrum. And so I see that a lot, um, unfortunately, in practice, and it's just a good review to talk about why colostrum is so important. So the first thing I think, but let, let's talk about why they do need it. Um, you know, it's really, it's really important to understand the physiology of the cow and to understand that when that calf is actually in the uterus. So before it's born, there is no blood exchange between mom and baby. So there is no chance for that calf to actually build up an immunity that way, but it's really unique that the cow will put those antibodies that she has been exposed to in her lifetime into the colostrum. And then the calf will actually able to, after it takes that first meal um, and it nurses, it will actually absorb those antibodies through its intestinal lining. And then it starts to build up its own immune system.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the components of quality colostrum. How can we help to ensure that that first milk, that colostrum is of high quality and provides the calf with the adequate supply of the antibodies that's needed?
1: So one one way for you to just basically uh, look at your cows and to decide, am I going to have a good quality colostrum is using body condition score. You know, you can can test colostrum and you can see how much antibodies are in there, but obviously that takes a little bit more effort and work. But multiple research studies have been done to show that when the body condition score of a cow is adequate, so a five or a six, especially if she's a heifer, we want to be a six, But the research has shown that as you get to those higher body condition scores, then the quality of the colostrum, the concentration of those antibodies in it actually increases. So, um, you know, if you are monitoring body condition score of your cows regularly, um, or if you have a way to keep that in your records, I think it's a good idea to maybe look at that. Obviously, you want to know that done beforehand, before calving, because um, colostrum doesn't form you know, it, it's not there right when the calf is is born. That's not when it starts to form. It actually starts several weeks prior to birth. So if you can understand what condition your cows are in, let's say if you're, if you're a spring calving herd and you do preg checking in the fall, um, if you get your hands on those cows, or you have the ability to actually record what body condition score they're in, then, you know, they're at the right nutritional plane to be able to start to make that colostrum as they start to get closer to um, parturition in that calf's birth. The other part that's really important to know about when colostrum is formed um, and just kind of keep in the back of your mind is that even though it starts several weeks um, prior to calving, it actually stops formation when that calf is born. So whatever is, whatever that cow has, once that calf hits the ground, that's all that's all that that calf's gonna get. So she doesn't continually make it in the first two days. This is an important fact, I think, um, because if you think back to maybe heifers and you know how sometimes they, they aren't very smart and they might rob from another cow, there's a potential that if you have a calf or, or another heifer that's taking from someone that just calved, that they are potentially taking away the valuable colostrum for that newborn baby. So keep an eye out for those that, those robbers that seem to get in the
0: way antibodies aren't the only component of colostrum. Talk about the other things that are in there that's really valuable for this newborn calf.
1: Yeah, this is a good point to remember too, because the biggest we always talk about antibodies, so IgG would be that type of antibody that's in there, but it also contains several different um, different components. So one being fat and energy. So fat is extremely important to help the that calf regulate its body temperature. Um, And and the energy part of it is what gives it that vigor. So when we are out on a cold morning and that calf is born, getting it up and actually getting that first meal is going to warm it from the inside out and give it the amount of energy to keep going and to keep up with mom and and to just have that adequate start. Um, Colostrum also contains vitamins. So A and E are two that I highlight in this article And we know that vitamin E is an antioxidant. um, So that helps with, uh, you know, inflammation. If the calf had a little bit of a harder birth, that kind of helps get it started as well. And then we also know that vitamin A helps stimulate the immune system too. So it's just another support tool to get, to get that calf going.
0: In the article, you also highlight how important timing is in terms of getting colostrum into the calf. Uh, Review with us again, just when colostrum can be readily utilized and absorbed by the calf and how important that is.
1: Yeah. So I had mentioned that cow actually, whatever colostrum is there um, and at birth, that's, that's what that calf's going to get. And then earlier I had talked about how that calf actually has the ability to absorb those antibodies from the colostrum. So I like to explain the intestinal lining. So the guts of a calf, kind of like a leaky sieve. So Um, It doesn't necessarily have actual holes in it, but it is open enough to that it can actually pass those antibodies in and absorb it into its own circulation so that it can start to create its immune system. The best absorption happens in the first four hours of life. So it's critical that that calf gets up and it can get as much uh, colostrum intake so that it can build its immune system. We know uh, multiple studies have been done on this, but we know that by the time we get to 12 hours of life, then half of those absorption sites have actually closed down in the gut lining. And at 24 hours, we have complete gut closure. So we've really missed that window of trying to get an immune system stimulated from the colostrum for the calf. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has a death sentence, but it does mean that that calf has an extremely high uphill battle to fight off any pathogens, and it's going to have to try and build its own immune system. So it's going to be much more susceptible to being sick.
0: Let's talk about some of the factors that also can inhibit a calf's absorption of that colostrum, things around the time of birth that can actually reduce how well it's able to ingest and utilize that.
1: Yeah. So, um, a big thing that's going to cause a problem would be any sort of delay in getting that calf up. And the first thing that comes to mind is going to be dystocia. So a, a difficult birth. If for some reason that calf has a prolonged, the cow has a prolonged labor and that calf, um, possibly had a little bit of hypoxia, which just means it had potentially lack of oxygen, um, that's going to definitely create uh, a decrease in vigor. And then they aren't able to get up and get that meal. Um, we also know that those calves have a decreased suckle reflex. And so that just makes sense. If we don't have enough energy to get up and or even nurse or to, to suckle on that teeth, then we are not going to get that colostrum. So any baby that has been pulled, if you if you intervene with um, a, a birth, a dystocia, if you pull a calf or something something else caused a problem, then I always recommend that you make sure that that calf gets colostrum. So I, you know, whether that's, ideally it would be milking out the cow if you have her caught, but, but getting that into that calf, whether that's a bottle or a tube, but that way you can ensure that that calf gets the, the start that it needs. Um, and another thing that's gonna prevent any sort of absorption is gonna be um, hypothermia. So these cold days, they've done research studies that show that when a calf's body temperature drops down, again, the absorption of colostrum decreases. And, you know, that, that just makes sense too. If they're cold, they just don't have the vigor to get up, but they, they also um, physically, they, you know, they cannot absorb those antibodies that they need. So cold calves need to be assisted too, to make sure that they get colostrum.
0: You've already mentioned that the best source of colostrum is if possible, getting colostrum from the cow that the calf was born to, However, there's times when circumstances prevent us from being able to provide that colostrum. What are some good alternatives if we can't get a cow to get in or in and maybe milk her out? Or maybe we have a situation where a cow had a calf that robbed the colostrum from her and and we're concerned about that calf getting the colostrum it needs.
1: Yeah. So I, I do always recommend obviously mother knows best. So we would love to get it from her first, but I'm a realist and and I understand that that doesn't always happen. So, um, your options would be one from her, but, but the second option would be just in case you have someone from your herd that maybe lost a calf and you have the ability to milk that cow out. You can, you can actually freeze colostrum for up to a year. So I would always recommend that you that you do that, that you do milk out any any cow that doesn't need doesn't have the opportunity to use clostrum and you can freeze it in like Ziploc bags and lay it down flat and, and that will thaw out nicely. If you don't have that opportunity, then there are some commercial replacements on the market. Um, and I don't have a preference for anything except for the fact that you need to make sure you read the labels. Because there are differences um, in what you can get from any, from any source really, but there's ones labeled replacers and then there's ones that are labeled supplements. And the difference between those two, well, there's two differences. One, you're going to notice a significant cost difference and that the supplement is going to be less expensive than the replacer. But the reason for that is because those supplements have a much lower amount of antibodies than the replacers. So a supplement I, I just always recommend to, to not keep supplements around. Um, f- the, the best example to use a supplement would be if you have a pair that did get together and, and nurse and pair up, but for some reason, you don't think that that cow has enough, uh, you know, quality of colostrum, then maybe you could give a little bit more in a supplement. Most of the time, those are labeled to have about 50 grams of IgG antibodies and, Backing up, I guess I didn't mention, but we really want these calves to get about 150 grams in the first couple hours of life. And up to lots of research has now shown that we wanna get up to 300 grams by six hours of life. So just the more, the better. But so those replacers will usually have at least 100 grams of IgG, uh, and a lot more are starting to show about 150. So read the labels, um, understand what you're purchasing, and then also, when you're reading that label, make sure that you you mix it properly because some of them have different requirements for uh, water content and how to how to store those. And um, the last thing I would I would mention about replacers and supplements is that it's it's not wrong to combine the two. So if you if you milk out a cow or a heifer and you're just not getting very much, um, sometimes sometimes for certain reasons you, you're not going to get as much out but you want to make sure that that calf gets more antibodies, it's okay to mix up a bag of replacer and then add it to the colostrum that you milked out to and give it together.
0: We've seen quite a bit of temperature swings here over the last several weeks in Nebraska, from very warm to very cold. As we think about these temperature swings and we think about the newborn calf and colostrum, anything we should be paying attention to there?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, for example, I'm down in, in Webster County, South Central Nebraska, and last week uh, we had a day that was 80 degrees and I had a newborn calf on the ground and I noticed he was panting. And then, you know, you go to, to last night and it snowed and, and we're down to maybe 15 degrees. So the biggest thing to remember in temperature extremes or with any newborn calf is there's this, this perfect temperature area and it's called the thermoneutral zone. And that just means there's this temperature area where calves do not their heat loss equals their heat produced. So they don't they aren't expending any energy to either stay warm or to stay cool. And that zone is between fifty degrees to seventy eight degrees. so it's it's definitely um, not any any lower than fifty when you're talking about a newborn baby. Um, and then usually in February, I'm not having to discuss, you know, eighty degree days, but but we did have that last time. So, in the on the the cold days, um, anything that they take in, so all that fat and energy, I said to help them regulate their body temperature, it they're they're using their own um, metabolism to keep them warm. So instead of that going to like get them to get up and grow and move, they're actually using that just to stay warm. So, the colostrum is is extremely important, and they'll do a lot better. Uh, we know this if you're a fall calving herd, you'll know that you know, calves actually are built to do better in those cold environments. So, so as long as they can get that meal and they get dried off and get up and go, then, then they're good. But it's those hot days that they actually are more stressed when you get up over that 78 degree mark that normally, you know, we're not going to be talking about those hot days, but keep in mind that you want to have some sort of shade or, or something available for those newborns to, to get out of that heat. Um, and, and calves drink water too. So making sure that they have that ability to keep their rumen going, um, that's, that's really critical to, to prevent dehydration. You know, it's, it's, it's just a, it's just the perfect environment for temperature, but when you're above or below, it's just important to keep track of it. And the, the other part about why you possibly could have some sick is that if you're, if you're utilizing all of your energy to either keep yourself warm or to cool yourself off, then your immune system is actually going to be compromised. So when that happens, they just don't have enough energy to fight off the pathogens that might make them sick because they're trying to cool themselves down. So I just always make sure that you, you keep good records. This kind of goes back to the ability that you have to make sure that you're monitoring your herds and to make sure that you see those guys pair up and that they are, um, they're getting that colostrum meal so that they can get started off correctly. And then if you if you think maybe that they didn't get it to interfere to go ahead and intervene and, and help them get some clostrum, but make sure you just keep a, you know, keep a note of that. Put it in your records that, hey, this guy maybe didn't have the vigor I wanted to see quite as well. And it doesn't mean you need to give him anything. It just means you need to keep a close eye on that one so that in case there is something that's gonna make it sick, you're you're ready to treat that.
0: Anything else on this topic you think would be valuable to discuss?
1: My only tip would be to to make sure that you just don't enter with that mothering up process when it starts. Sometimes people get a little anxious to go, you know, get them tagged or get them moved or give them whatever you're you're choosing to treat with at that time. But just you know, let mother nature do its thing and and let them pair up first because that that first. The the first four hours is vital, and we just want to make sure that those calves get started out correctly.
0: Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you for having me. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article we discussed today is Colostrum 101. Also in the website, you can find additional resources on this topic.